your your story matter. Your own story, your narrative story, it matters. It determines what actions you will be taking. It also determines what you, how you feel this very moment. So having a story in your or that narrative in your mind, it can be powerful if you let it to be. The bottom line is make it an inspiring one. Make it something that would encourage you to take that, try that one last step. Like even if you don't believe possible, make it that one belief of unbecoming who you thought you might be, and step into with that superpower that you have. Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to provide insight and wisdom into all things mental health to sit down with individuals and talk about their journey, how they've broken free from the chains that bind them, to find their flame, their passions, and purpose. Welcome, Breakers, to another episode of the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. This is Steve Opolinik, once again, honored to bring you a new episode. Our episode today has a guest who is nothing short of amazing. Her name is Michelle Quay, and we get to sit down and talk about her journey and her life and how she uses that story and her own storytelling to impact others to tell their story, to have a bigger impact on the world as a whole. Michelle is a refreshing guest and has a plethora of knowledge to share with you all on coaching, on wellness, and how to push through and to redefine what normal is. Really excited for you to hear her story of immigrating to the United States from Taiwan and then how to use her strength to overcome perceptions and to challenge herself uh, both mentally and physically, to push past the boundaries that she felt were imposed on her from society. So without further ado, here's Michelle. All right, and we're off. So welcome back to the podcast listeners. Uh, we have an awesome guest today. Her name is Michelle Quay. Michelle, thanks so much for being on. I'm really excited to to hear all about what you do and to share your message and your story with the listeners. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, usually what we do to start off is just uh, to go with the theme of superheroes, like we were talking about before we started recording, was yeah. to uh, give an origin story, which is, you know, it's kind of a loaded statement. It's like, give your origin story in like five <laughs> minutes, right? Um, but you know, just let the listeners know who you are, what your passions are, and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So I am, I'm currently working as a visibility and marketing coach, and I work primarily with female coaches to help them to get seen, get hurt, and get hired 
um, so that they can actually have a, because they, a lot of them have a passion for coaching, but they have trouble in getting clients and getting that business to be thriving and sustainable. Mm-hmm. And what inspired me to be coaching, but be a coach for them was a long long journey of how I was struggling as a life and mindset coach when I first started out and trying to get my message out, getting more visible, spreading the message, and hopefully I would get I would land on a client. And that has been quite an experience. And I almost felt like I was going through this personal journey again, trying to overcome my own challenge and uh, of physical disability and hiking to Machu Picchu and finally climbing to the summit and then finally coming down oh, there's a different world on the other end of the mountain. So now I'm able to help them to accomplish that. And this is what kind of help, uh, caused me to pivot my life coaching business into a marketing marketing coach. So oh, that's where that's awesome. I am. <laughs> that's great. And um, if, for the listeners who've listened to the last podcast with Quincy, I made a joke that he had the longest uh, link tree ever mm-hmm. and and then doing some research and, and getting ready for this podcast today i was just i'm i'm was just talking about how i'm attracting people who have like these long lists of things that they do and always always uh you know adding more to it so i'm really excited to talk about that with you today and you know not only uh are you doing that where you know doing the visibility and marketing for for life coach and wellness coaching and and message and storytelling but you also have your own podcast right make it visible yeah. um you have your own coaching uh, evaluate life coaching like you were just talking about you have a mm-hmm. history of being a clinical pharmacist right yeah uh, you climb machu picchu which is amazing and i can't wait to hear that cuz i i love hiking and i love stories of of challenges like that and um, and you're an author, you have your own book too, right? Like perfectly normal, uh, yeah. immigrant story of making it in America. So we have a lot of subjects to jump around on. I know you like superheroes too. You were sharing before we were recording of dressing up as wonder woman as well. Um, and so I think one of the things I would like to start about is just, uh, talk about life coaching in general, because I think, um, you know, there's a certain air to life coaching when you just hear it. And I think a lot of people create this schema of what that might be. I'm wondering if you could kind of talk about your perspective of what that is and why that has spoken to you in the past. Yeah, so I think to me, life coaching really compressed of so many different aspects of our life, right? When we look at life, life is not just about career. It's not just about having the goal. It's not just about having a relationship. It's actually, I, 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 and I know you're a coach too. So there, when we look at the life coaching, it's a, it's encompasses all areas of our life, and for me, it was one one challenge led to another that brought me onto this path of life coaching it was because i i was not feeling good about myself feeling that that imposter syndrome that self doubt it triggers a lot of what was not working out for me and what was not working out for me was my relationship was absent it was not there non existent i tried but totally failed and my career. It was great that I got a doctor's degree in pharmacy, but I didn't get the position I wanted. So that was what that was not working out. So when things started to fall apart, you realize that, oh, wait a minute, this is my life. And what am I doing here? And so it start when one trigger will lead to a cascade of things that's not working for you. 
And then it starts to prompt you, maybe there's something, something's wrong in my life. There's something's missing. And that's what prompt most of us to go onto that personal development journey of, okay, so how do I figure this out? How do I fix my relationship? How do I fix my career? How do I fix my a job that does not fulfill me? How do I fix this? And when you get into that mindset of how do I fix this, it's actually a beginning of an enlightenment that bring us to wanting to explore more about what is it about this life that we we can feel connected, we can feel content, we can feel that, hey, you know, the lifetime that I have, it was given to me, it was actually meaningful and purposeful. So to me, life coaching is really about helping someone to find out like what is not working and how can we make it better so that your life is purposeful and meaningful while you're existing on this this lifetime that we know. And so that's the beginning of the journey. Yeah, I love that so much. And I'm going on your website. There's this really, really strong quote that you have on the website that I wanted to, I think I'm going to use it as the name of the podcast episode is uh, life is about unbecoming, right? And, you know, I think that's that's so beautifully articulated in what you were just saying. And, and then also what you do in the sense of, you know, we go through life expecting like, oh, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to be. This is what everything's going to be. And we we form these attachments to expectations. And then when they fall through the cracks in the floor, or they don't hit the way we want them to. It's so debilitating and, and kind of, you know, we're crestfallen and, and kind of internalize that and make it about us rather than maybe that just wasn't aligned to where you wanted to be. And we can, you know, detach from it and move forward. Now, I like that message of, you know, who am I becoming as opposed like turning it on its head and being it more about like, oh, how do you unbecome and then move forward? Yeah, because I think um, and, and it has to do with the the hero's journey that we were talking about uh, the heroes earlier. Right. Yeah. So it's about the hero's journey where the hero has a calling and that calling is about becoming unbecoming who you are or who you think you are and becoming this new version of an image or a person or the hero that you never dreamt possible before. And so it's really about unbecoming rather than becoming. I know a lot of people are thinking that, oh, I want to become the next celebrity. I want to become the next millionaire. I want to do this. But like in reality, what you're really doing is you're unbecoming whoever that you were in the past. And now you're stepping into who you truly are and that truly, truly are. And, and it keep bringing me back to this uh, story about the, the golden Buddha in Thailand. I don't know if you heard of that, mm -hmm. heard about yeah. that story. Yeah. So that story is about how this monk was sitting on the golden Buddha, which is stone Buddha back then. Um, and that moment came where he noticed that there's a chip on the golden Buddha or the stone Buddha. And so he and the villagers start chipping away and found this beautiful golden Buddha inside. And to me, it's a great analogy of what we do on a daily basis in terms of all these expectations that we carry. It's about chipping away who you think you are and stepping into the real you, the hero that you have always been. Yeah, that's awesome. And it parallels the story of the Buddha, right? Of mm -hmm. Siddhartha being, you know, a Brahmin and, and how he was raised and then pursuing you know, what is the true self and, and how he went on that journey to kind of find himself in that process as well. And I, I, I love that. And the hero's journey is something that is so strong in like storytelling in all cultures. And I think there's a palpable connection to that. And that's what we're 
we're pulled to to in life to like or to watch to see you know in mm -hmm. star wars and you know uh uh, fellowship of the ring and lord of the rings and, and things of that nature i'm a huge geek obviously so like i'm gonna go to those hero stories but even in in like older stories in different cultures you know journey to the west and um you know a lot of outlaws of the marsh and in, in mythology we we see you know like uh, hercules and um you know all of all of these stories are about that right and it's really easy for us to be drawn to that um but it's a lot harder for us to realize that we're also on this journey and we're, we're also redefining ourselves and, you know, casting off the expectations of who we were to become, to unbecome ourselves. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating to me in terms of how much um, um, similarity that every single one of us are on this planet Earth, right? If we look around, every single one of us, and, and the reason why the hero's journey resonates with many of us is because it speaks to the inherent truth of who we are as a human being and that higher level of consciousness and how we'll keep going back to that higher level of consciousness and wanting to find out the, tr the, the, the ultimate truth behind the universe right what why do we exist and why are we the way we are and when we peel off all the layers of you know um our ethnicity our culture our background the places that we came from at the essence of who we are it really comes down to that fundamental truth of every single one of us is this just pure untouched on um broken beautiful light or diamond i like to call myself diamond to, to uncover like our that, diamond yeah. right yeah. <laughs> so uncover our own diamond and we are all the same so it's it really fascinating to to see how humanity can rise above to see that when we when we let go and unbecome who we think we used to be then there's so much power and so much of the superpower that you can you can bring out to the world and the gift that you bring, it's just enormous. So go out there, like you beautiful diamond, go out there and spread your message because the world needs you. And, yeah. and that's one of the things that I encourage all the life coaches and mindset coaches. One person cannot save the world, but we when we have everybody come out and we can make a difference in this world. And to me, to me, that is the beauty about the work that I do. I can get more people on board so that they would be able to help me to save the world. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, I like this concept, too, of um, you were talking about different areas of life and expectations and, and that. And I think some of the stuff when I'm working with clients or if I'm working with individuals or groups, that I really like to talk about is this idea of currencies of life, right? Because we mm -hmm. often think of currency as, you know, the money that we have in from the endeavors that we do. And so in, in you know, our lives, there is this huge push to say, I'm going to make these decisions based on how much money I can make. And yes, that is an important thing to factor in. But when you kind of break down other currencies that are out in life, I think it's a, it also opens up many different doors for you if you talk about you know, currency of passion or time or connection or joy or, you know, whatever it can be and value it just as much as like the economic factor. I think it opens up many more options to move forward rather than, oh, uh, how do I live my life based on how much money I can make on this one endeavor so that I can, um, yeah, you know, yeah. 
I always look at money as a byproduct of what we do. So the the real the real currency in life is the passion that we have, is a connection that we make. But money is a great byproduct because it allows us to to do more things. So if I'm able to spend one dollar and I can make a difference of one dollar versus I can make a hundred dollar and I can make a hundred dollar worth of impact, which means that the more money people have hopefully you're giving it out, putting back into the world so that you can make the same amount of giving and, and impact based on the money that you're earning. So the more earning power, the the more things that you should probably thinking about doing. And mm-hmm. Spider-Man has that, Spider-Man has that flow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, great responsibility comes with, uh, no, great power comes with great responsibility. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. I, and I think it's a good, I think we often neglect it. Right. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, it's like we love to watch Spider. Well, I love to watch Spider-Man. And my my brother always makes fun of my little <laughs> sister because her her superhero is Spider-Man, just like mine's Cap. And my brother likes to make fun of her. And, and he's always like, ah, Spider-Man's not that good. So if he's listening to this, Marcus, um, we got to be more like Spider-Man. We love to watch that story. And, and that that's statements all over the place. And a lot of people can quote it. But how many people can kind of hold on to that and and use that in what they're doing, like you're talking about? It it, re- it really, I think the world would make it. We we can make a world of difference if we can think about the power that we have. It may not be money power. It may be the power of. Uh, you speaking up, you having a podcast, right? It is your responsibility to spread the message even further. It is someone else's responsibility if they have the power of knowledge to spread that power so that more people can benefit. So each one of us have different set of tools and resources and power, and it is our superpower. So either you use it or you lose it, or you don't come to a recognition of that you do have the superpower and you never got to use it, then why? what are we doing in this world? Right. Yeah. So you hear that, listeners? Your your mission is to spread this podcast so more people can hear the story and we can, you know, all kind of connect on that way. <laughs> exactly. You, you have the podcast power, you have the word power, and words has power. Yeah. And I love that because like you talk a lot about storytelling and what you're you're doing and the power of storytelling. And we at the Promethean Project got a grant and our hope is uh, to make a small publishing house out of that grant that we got so we can help publish people's uh, written stories and, and, and narratives and things of that nature. It's something we're working on to start moving next year a little bit. Um, so it and you have your own story you have your own book out there about storytelling so i'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your book that you wrote and and how that that power came to be of storytelling and sharing your story with people yeah so when i first became a life coach one of the things i was struggling with like i said was getting my message out so one thing that came to my mind was i knew i had a book inside of me but i wasn't sure what to talk about and there's always that self-doubt that oh how how dare me to think about i can publish a book and my story and what led me to um this personal development journey was because at age 11 i had a car accident and that car accident led to permanent damage on my leg so I walk with crutches. Um, I was not paralyzed, luckily. Um, but it, it, I spent four years at age 11 going in and out of hospital, going in and out of surgery, just doing the repair work. And the accident took place in Taiwan. And that's where I came from as an immigrant to America. And 
I remember when I got discharged, my doctor had given me a pair of metal brace to wear. And he said, you have to wear this until you're 18 when you stop growing. Otherwise, you know, your leg would be would be uh, disformed. And of course, at age 11, I want to look pretty. I want to look normal. So I didn't listen to the doctors. And lo and behold, it had permanent uh, damage on my leg. So I always walk with two crutches. And growing up, it was just very challenging in terms of the self-doubt that I had, the judgment I had about myself, looking myself into the mirror. It, there was always a lot of judgment about how how ugly I look, how just not normal that I look. And when I look around, my peers, they beautiful, um, tall, they were going out, meeting the boys, and I couldn't do any of that. And so going through that personal journey made me realize that made me start to, to question my existence. Why am I here? And why, why, why all this? Why does the accident happen to me and only me? And so as I was exploring that process, I came to a realization. So I read books, um, Eckhart Tolle, one of my favorite. Um, I, read, I read Eckhart Tolle. And that kind of opened up my door to, oh, we are not what we look. We are more than just this physical body. We're more than just, just this physical space. So what more can I explore? And during that time, I had a lot of friends who went on to this amazing trip to Machu Picchu and they all came back. They were sharing their journey. And I was really inspired. I wanted to be like them. I want to be part of the conversation. I want to be able to participate when they talk about going to the gym and going to exercise, going to hike. So I decided uh, for the first time in my life after 30, 40 years, and I went into a gym and I signed up to a personal trainer. I said, look, I need you to help me to get better. And so we start working and he started training me. After a year, I wanted to do more. And this is the thing about personal development. You, when you experience something, more happiness, more fulfillment, you want more. And so I wanted more. And I, I remember I was listening to my friend. They're coming back from Machu Picchu. So I said, well, why not me? And that was a great question to ask for yourself, ask yourself, why not you? When you have doubt, why not you? And why not today? So I booked myself a ticket, flew myself along with my two crutches and a luggage to Cusco. And I hiked through 26 miles of Inca Trail to Machu Picchu. And it, it took me four days. Each day I spent 10 to eight, eight to 10 hours just hiking through the trail. We camp outside and first day was the hardest. And I remember that first night, the tour leader sat me down and he said, uh, Michelle, here are your two choices. And I was given to make a choice. He said, you're the slowest one in the group. You have a choice today. We either, you either go back or you keep going forward. But I want to let you know that the second day is going to be the hardest. We're going to go to the peak and it's going to take you longer. Mm -hmm. So here's your choice. You go back or you continue. And I was sitting in that tent after dinner and I was just bawling. I was like, I was thinking, there's no way I'm going back. Hey, I made this far and I am not going back. Please do not send me back. And I told him I'm, I wanted to go forward. So he said, good, great. Well, here's what you're going to do. So most most of my my friends, they would have to, um, most of them, the itinerary probably, like you have to get up seven o'clock in the morning. So for me, in order for me to catch up with the rest of the group, we had about eight to 10 people from all over the world, a complete stranger I never met before. And for me, 
he suggested that I hike start five o'clock in the morning before the sun comes out so that I have like two extra hours to catch up with the rest of the group. So I did that. So 10 hours, 14 hours, doesn't matter. I was on it. And every step was a push-up because remember I have I had to make two crutches. So every right. step I was doing the push-up on my crutches and these stairs were no joke because they were like tall because I'm only four feet, four inches tall. So the stairs were, <laughs> the stairs were, as tall as the length of my leg. So in order for me to climb, I would literally have to get down to my hands and knee and climb up each stair to go up to the top. So I repeated that. And after four days, I was at the top of Machu Picchu. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so that's so <laughs> badass. I, I think it, it, you know, you push, you did push ups up the mountain and, you know, Machu Picchu is not a small mountain either. You know, yeah, thousands of feet up, right? And so, like, and with the high crazy. altitude, it, it yeah. makes it really challenging right? because yeah. you then you have to catch up your physical, and you have to, you know, because you start to run into a shortness of breath, and so I had all the symptoms of high altitude syn syndrome, but it was just not something that I wanted to give up. I I came this far, I pushed this hard, and it was just not something that I wanted to give up. And the book. Um, I didn't talk a lot about this Machu Picchu hike inside the book because the book is really a memoir of my journey from the accident happened. And it talked a lot about the the my childhood memories of the loss and the grief and all the things that have I have lost as, as a child going into my adulthood and facing all these challenges that I for for usually we go through every single day but for me it felt really harder because I I was trying so hard to fit in I was trying so hard to be normal mm -hmm. so I titled the book perfectly normal because that's who I wanted to be that's who I wanted to be normal but I couldn't I, I didn't fit in to this normal expectation yeah and then I think it's you know, like people really connect with like physical challenge and, and hearing the story of, of you climbing uh, Machu Picchu, like I said, is really badass, but it's even more badass. I think your, your growth in the sense of like moving to a new country and trying to amalgamate and fit in and do those things and your ability to do that. So I love that, that, that the book is a story about that and not super inclusive of, of the physical challenge, because I think you know, that's, that's a stronger for me, who, who does mental health counseling and work with people, that's a stronger story to kind of put out there. Because I think not everyone aligns with physical challenge, some people do, but I think everyone can kind of sit and think of a time where they felt other or felt like they didn't fit in or had to, to adjust to that. And I think that that is also the beauty of storytelling is you know, you're telling your story, but so many people can connect to that and grow from that. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think not only did you have to do that after your accident, but you also had to do that coming into America and deal with, you know, let's be honest, there's a lot of systemic racism here too. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I think I, I love that you've chose to focus on that. And I love, I'm, I'm a huge, like, uh, label guy in, in the sense of like, labels for books and puns and things of that nature so I love the title of your book I think for me yeah. it's just like oh that's right on with with what we're talking about I and I think it's a it's a really um 
there, there's expectation from society where we, we label normal to be certain way, right? But mm -hmm. if you, and, and one of the things that when I was talking to my editor about coming up with the name and she was all like hesitating about labeling perfectly normal. She's like, she worries that it's not going to sell, not, no one's going to gonna pick it up. And then my whole theory about being normal is that what is normal to you is not normal to me. It may not be normal to me, but we all have a, common definition of what normal looks like to us. Mm -hmm. And so to me, you know, it's easier to just overcome the physical challenge. We can always adapt and, and humanity is so good with adapting things, right? But what's really challenging is like you said, the mental and the emotional challenge that is holding people back. It becomes a huge roadblock and resistance for people to overcome their physical challenge. If I can overcome the emotional and, and mental challenge, then there's no, there's no doubt I will be able to adapt much better and much more quickly with the physical challenge. Because the physical challenge, the, the world, we can adapt to it. We can make changes to it. We can adjust the height to it. But what do you do with the mental and emotional challenge? You can't, right? That's why it makes it so difficult when it comes to mental and emotional challenge versus the physical challenge. Yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah. And I, I and going back to I, I'm just thinking about what I said. Like I'm a huge label guy in terms of the title, like not labeling people, but like in terms of the <laughs> title. And I and that's why I love perfectly normal because it challenges that concept of like everyone's like, well, what is normal? And I think you saying that is like, no, this is normal. That's normal. This is normal. This is normal. Um, and so that's great. It's a great. And I think um, I think a lot of life coaches will also agree with the fact that, you know, when we when we're sitting in a coaching session, right, it's, it's about validating our client's feeling and, and what the client is feeling is perfectly normal. This is normal to that person. Mm -hmm. And and there's nothing wrong with feeling it this way, because what what's going on is a lot of time we judge our own feelings. Oh, I shouldn't be feeling that way. Oh, I shouldn't look at it this way. Well, when you have a lot of should, then it makes things more difficult to overcome to look at it from a different perspective. So if we can validate it, we can we can acknowledge the fact that this is what I'm feeling and this is what I'm seeing, then you know that let's move on. Let's figure out a way of how can we how can we make it better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had a client one time tell me, I don't know if this was his quote or not, but we were talking about shoulds and he said, Yeah, I know I shouldn't should all over myself. Right. And I was like, ah, uh, he just you're so endeared to my heart now because that's a pun and it's also what we're talking about is this this idea of should 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 gets in the way of actually looking at what's actually there and validating it and I can't tell you how many times I've had a client come in and talk about oh I feel really bad because it sounds bad but I, I found out they're going through the same someone's going through the same thing for me and I feel really happy and then in talking, it's not because they're happy someone's going through, but it's very validating to see that other people are struggling uh, in the way that we are sometimes, but we just don't talk about it. We just yeah. don't open up. We don't share. Mm -hmm. And to sit with that and to to normalize that in a sense of like, yeah, that makes sense for what you're going through, I think is really powerful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also why uh, people resonate with stories. Mm -hmm. um, when I share a story it's not really my story anymore. It's the story where you see yourself in my story and I see my myself in your story. So that's the beauty about story. It can be very vulnerable, but mm -hmm. it also allow others to feel connected to what we're saying. 
it yeah. validates what we're going through. It also validates the fact that I am not alone feeling this way in this world. Mm -hmm. And there's other people who can be inspired, who can feel motivated when I come out of my shelf and and actually be vulnerable and tell tell that story to to everyone because we're all shared the same same journey together. Yeah. And, and that's why I like comic books too. I know it's a little bit different than like sharing personal stories, right? But I, I do bibliotherapy with with some clients that I work with. And, you know, the power of like having a really exciting story or really moving story in comic form and graphic novel form or like sci-fi fantasy fiction mm -hmm. in, in nonfiction too. But, you know, as I said, my, my whole specialization is the geekiness right and so um to sit with that and maybe use uh an epic story a, a sci-fi story or a fantasy story and or a comic book to really kind of connect those lines too i think it's so one fun because i think it's a different way of looking at stuff and then two so powerful because you know i think i think we kind of do it on a daily basis with storytelling on TV and things of that nature too. But a lot of people, oh, that's fake. And, you know, uh, fantasy stories and all that stuff is fake too. But there is a real part of that author puts parts of themselves into that and people can connect to that and see that. And those are the stories I really love uh, to read. Obviously magic and world building is fantastic, but like character driven stories are so strong and, and amazing. Yeah, I grew up with comic books. Um, a different kind of not not the fantasy kind of sci-fi no. kind of comic book but I grew up with comic book and and honestly it, it really helped me um, going through that journey of recovery so I mean at age 11 what what am I going to do when my whole body is being bound to a wheelchair nothing else so I read a lot and a lot of it has to do with uh, comic book um, Batman and Robin for yeah. sure <laughs> it took my a good chunk of my childhood memory and all these great greatest stories in our lifetime um there, there's just so many of them and what the beauty about story is it always has a lesson no matter whether whether it's in the comic format or in a real life lifetime stories there's a lesson behind it and there's always morals and values that you learn and you pick up from just reading these comic books so parents if you listen to this episode it's okay to let your child read comic yeah i mean I, <laughs> we grew I, up perfectly fine <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like a lot of my vocabulary and diction came from comic books because i would read a word or a sentence that I didn't know and I would go look it up and be like what does that mean why, why is Spider-Man saying that and I'd yeah. go check it out I'm referencing Spider-Man too much my brother's gonna be so upset <laughs> he's gonna be so proud of you <laughs> <laughs> but like he's the one who got me into comic books I remember my yeah. first he's seven years older than me and my first comic book was an X-Men comic book and mm. I remember the very beginning it was a picture of Beast and Wolverine combing their hair and they have very similar hair structures and they were going to go out with the team to have dinner. And I remember thinking, oh, I thought this was supposed to be like action packed, but that's the beauty of X-Men, right? Yeah. It's, it's like a family driven story. And even Batman a little bit once you get to the multiple Robins and Nightwings mm -hmm. and stuff of that nature. Um, yeah. And so I, I think it we kind of turn it on its head from like, oh, this is just like kid stuff to like, no, there are real themes going on in these things. There's, I mean, Batman's a perfect example. There's trauma going on that. Like this guy goes through trauma and decides to dress up as a bat 
Like if that's not a trauma driven story, I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think there's a beauty to it. I remember crying reading a book a couple of years ago that my friend got me into. My friend unfortunately passed away. But there's a really pivotal part towards the end of the book. It's by Brandon Sanderson. It's a a Stormlight um, archive novel. And there's a really intense part. Her main character deals with depression and something happens. I won't ruin it for anyone who's reading the Stormlight Archive or wants to. And it just connected with me with the friend who got me into that writing, who also yeah. passed. And, um, you know, it was very moving and cathartic for me to have that moment. And, you know, on the surface, it's a made up character going through something, but it was much deeper to to have that connection with my friend who had passed a year before. And in a in a story that he's the one who introduced me to it. And mm-hmm. so it was a really good way of like doing some of that grieving process. Um, and so I really like, I could, I mean, we could have a whole different podcast about books and, <laughs> and everything. I, I, I feel we can, we can go on forever about the yeah. stories and dramas. And I, I watch movies and, and it moves me and I, I cry all the time. I'm always watching movies, um, you know, by myself a lot of time, especially mm-hmm. those move, moving pieces, like moving uh, mo- movies. I cry uh, about the the Wanders. I don't know if you watched that that movie, yeah. Wanders, yeah. and totally cry because I saw myself in in those characters. Right. And while people may think that they're fictional, but you know there's deeper truth behind all the stories that we hear, and we really connect to that because emotionally we're we're drawn to the storytelling. There's narrative that it's in our head that somehow we just can't articulate ourselves, but through someone else's word, we're able to articulate that. And that it's a great emotional outlet for us. Now we have, we feel safe, emotionally safe. We feel connected, we feel grounded. And now I can cry and no one would ever care about no one would need to see it. Yeah. It's like a, a pocket version of what I was talking about before with that client of, oh, I, I feel seen because mm-hmm. you can see that in multiple characters. Even if the character is not a main character, you can see that in them because you feel valued. And I think yes. that's the, I think that's the super important part about having diversity and equity and representation and all of this stuff is because I think that is so powerful and that's how we transform and how we move forward. Yeah, everyone, everybody needs to feel validated, belong, and also seen. And I think that's what I was struggling with the most, not feeling seen and not feeling that I belong. And so one of my value is connection. And connection to me is so powerful because it's what brings people together. It's what makes me feel I belong in this place. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. So I have a couple uh, uh, a couple questions that I like to uh, ask at the end of uh, every podcast. So I, yeah. I know you know a couple of them, but I'm going to throw a couple more in. And before we get to the superhero questions, uh, we've, mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about stories and books. I've been super vocal, so I'm going to kick it over to you. But what are some of the most uh, engaging or some of your favorite books that you've read? Like, just Oh, my gosh. There are so many, but um, what's on top of my head would be, I definitely love uh, reading personal development books. So Echo Tolle is really one of my most um, pivotal book for me in moving my life. And there's other books, definitely my book. (laughs) (laughs) 
my everyone book. Everyone go it, get it. <laughs> everyone go get it. And, and the reason why it's so moving is because I saw it as a huge letter of completion. Mm-hmm. It felt like as I was completing the book, I was also, it, it was a huge emotional um, uh, journey for me to be able to say out loud and to recognize the fact that, oh, you know, this is what I was feeling. And it was so relief and validated. Um, so my book definitely ha- gave me that outlet. So that's probably one of my favorite, but definitely I got totally is my favorite. That's awesome. Um, all right. So let's move on to a couple superhero questions. So yeah. um, super interested in always hearing people's answers to these. So the first one deals with superpowers directly. So if you could have any superpower, uh, assuming that they're real, what superpower would you really like and why? I really like invisibility. I like invisibility because in the past, I feel that could have been my superpower, but I didn't use it correctly. My invisibility now, if I were to have it, is I like to see, peek into other people's life. I wanted to, I'm very curious about how others are living their life. Do they do the same thing? Do they get up in the morning? What do they do first thing in the morning? So I would like to have that superpower just to see what others are doing. Right. So I'm going to trust you that you don't turn into a super <laughs> villain and abuse that power. But I like where your mind's going about like connecting with people and understanding how they work. We're, we're going to go with the Harry Potter route. <laughs> ah, okay. The cloak of invisibility. Yep. Right. There we go. All right. Um, and then the next question is, uh, what is your true life superpower? Like your own strengths and and something that you do uh, that, that speaks to who you are and what? My true superpower in real life is empathy. I think um, coming out from my own personal um, journey, one thing that I'm really, really good at is placing myself into other's shoes. How would I, how would this make someone feel? And what is that person going through? And I joke around about this a lot is because um, I, I have this superpower where I can meet a complete stranger and I can make that person cry. In a good way, yeah. <laughs> I, cre- I create this safe space for that person to open up emotionally. And I think it takes empathy to be able to do that, to create that safe environment for someone else to let go of that feeling, let go of their emotion. Yeah. Empathy, it, definitely my superpower. And I do think people pick up on that because I, I feel like there's been plenty of times where I've been out in public and I've met new people and it's amazing how open they can be if you create an open and safe space with them even if you're not referencing anything I can't tell you how many people have talked about mental health to me and I just met them or I've sat next to them at my daughter's sports class and they're like yeah man I'm, I'm dealing with this and this and I'm like okay like you must feel comfortable to be able to open up to that yeah. so I think you know when you put that out there people respond to it and, and probably in a subconscious way I, I don't think they openly can connect to that but mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you make people cry too, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like I have a couple, a couple of clients that I'm like, they know my sense of humor. So like at the end of the session, if they cried, you know, yeah. I'll say something like, ah, we won, we got you to cry. Or, you know, <laughs> they'll apologize sometimes if they'll, if they're crying in session, I'm like, if you yeah. can't cry in therapy, I, I, where can you cry? You know? And so, yeah. you know, yeah. obviously the first part was a joke, but they, you know, that's kind of the rapport you build when you work with someone. It feels so good to be able to trust someone and knowing that, you know, it's a safe place to be vulnerable because a lot of time we don't have that opportunity to be vulnerable with someone. 
um, even with the, the closest person that we trust. Um, so being able to have that space and have that person, I, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And I like to tell, you know, people in terms of mental health, regardless if I'm their therapist or not, um, I like to talk to them and talk directly about, you know, coming in and holding the space that like, we're going to work on some heavy stuff and we're going to, you know, there's going to be crying. There's going to be release. There's going to be flooding. That's all going to happen, but we can also have a good time. We can also crack jokes. It doesn't have to be, Oh, I'm going to this place and I'm just going to dump anything. That's a possibility. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I think when you, when you connect with someone, you have all that range of emotions and sessions. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what gets people to do some good work is like you're saying that safety that comes from that. Oh, I can do this and not feel like I'm being judged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super That's important. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, on a side note, this is not really important to the podcast, but um, you, you know, you, you're from Taiwan. My brother lived in Taiwan for a couple of years doing martial arts in Taipei. And oh. um, I got to actually go visit him uh, for a week or two. And it was, it was an um, amazing trip from, from my perspective of kind of getting out and, and seeing, you know, new cultures and mm-hmm. a new country. And my sister-in-law is from Taiwan as well, too. And, you know, um, I, I think it's, it's uh, a great experience to go and kind of be somewhere new. And um, one of my favorite experiences, we got to go up into the mountains and, and go to some temples and, and see outside mm-hmm. of the city. And the hot springs there are just like, like no Amazing. other. I, I love them. <laughs> My, have you tried the system. night market and have you yeah. tried the night market yeah yes. yeah yeah i i've uh you know like we went to uh you know we had snake there we had all all of the night market treats it was it was so fun i i loved going yeah. there and it was really yeah, my cool. my when i think i was uh six or seven my dad made me drink the uh snake blood yeah we did that <laughs> <laughs> i use that in session sometimes it is like sometimes to open kids up i you know we do like uh uh, I play Uno with kids, mm-hmm. and so we're we're kind of talking, and you know we do questions every time. And and one of kids always asks like, "What's what's the what's a unique thing that you've eaten?" And I'm always like, "Oh, snake blood." And and they're like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, <laughs> "You know what? Like it it's not bad, and you know like let's not judge things just mm-hmm. because it seems weird to us because like it really wasn't that bad." Um, it wasn't that bad, but it, it, you know, as as an adult, now I'm thinking back. I would I have done it again? No, absolutely yeah, not. <laughs> yeah, I did it once. I probably wouldn't do it again either. But like you know, I I like experiencing uh, you know that. I think my yeah. favorite thing over there that I ate was uh, I think it's called G pie. Uh, the, oh, the fried chicken. Oh, the fried chicken! Yeah. Oh, they're so good. Oh, it's amazing. My my favorite is oyster pancake. You got when you uh, go to Taiwan, okay. you gotta try the oyster pancake. Oyster pancake, okay. I'll have to if, if I go back there because uh, my sister in law's family still lives there. So yeah, oyster pancake, the stinky tofu. Oh my gosh, yeah, so those you cannot find here. No, I made the mistake as as the class. I'll own up to it as the classic kind of like foreigner. I really wanted to like we we went into the night markets and and ate a lot of different foods and cultural temples and stuff and i it was amazing to experience and i was left to my own devices you know one day my brother was working and i just perused the city and i was like well oh there's a pizza hut i want to go i want to go and try you know the pizza here and i knew a little chinese when i went over i don't know a lot now um and i accidentally ordered the salad bar <laughs> <laughs> So I got up there and it was, it was just like, 
I was like, it serves me right. I should. And then, so I just went and got dumplings instead. And it was like, yeah, these are amazing. It's so much better. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't need pizza. <laughs> but, but the pizza in Taiwan is not the pizza like here. Um, yeah, there, that's why I wanted lot. to, that's why I wanted to try it. You know, yeah, I we have a lot it. of creative pizza, like even the 7-Eleven, it's very different. Um, and oh. so it's the 7-Elevens totally... are amazing over there. <laughs> it's like, why don't we have that here? Like you go in and you can get a whole meal and, you know, it's amazing. So, exactly. Exactly. I, I didn't want to make it all about Taiwan, but I did want to share, like, I really enjoyed going over there and, and you know, um, meeting people and, and spending. Yeah, yeah, my brother does uh, martial arts. He does uh, singing, bagua, and tai chi. And so oh. he was over there. Um, his his uh, laosha is over there. And so he was studying there. Over there so. That's really cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, so last thing, um, if you had to sum up the whole, like the whole podcast in like a minute pitch, right? Like if we had to sum up, hey, what do we want the listeners to take away from this podcast today? Um, what would that be? What would you, what would you tell the listeners? I would say that the your, your story matter, your own story, your narrative story, it matters. It determines what actions you will be taking, how you're going to feel. It also determines what you how you feel this very moment so having a story in your or that narrative in your mind that's great it can be powerful if you let it to be so the bottom line is you have a narrative in your mind make it an inspiring one make it something that would encourage you to take that try that one last step like even if you don't believe possible make it that one belief of unbecoming who you thought you might be and step into with that superpower that you have. Amazing. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for, for coming. I really appreciate the time and the space that you created to have this conversation today. And I really appreciate all that you're doing and the, the stories that you share and, and the information you put out there. Thank you so much for having me.